Good afternoon. Election day is Tuesday, November 8th. Continuing with KZYX's local midterm elections coverage, for the next hour we will air excerpts of the Fort Bragg City Council Candidates Forum, hosted by the League of Women Voters in Fort Bragg, on October 14th. To view the entire forum, you can go to the videos section of the Facebook page for the City of Fort Bragg, California. We'll also post a link to that video, as well as audio of the entire forum, at the 2022 Midterm Elections page at kzyx.org. There are nine candidates running for three open four-year seats on the Fort Bragg City Council. Incumbents Tess Albin-Smith and Marcia Raffinan, with seven challengers, Richard Garcia, Jason Godecki, Mary Rose Kaczorowski, Richard Moore, Blanca Pena, Michelle Roberts, and Scott Tobolt. Incumbent Lindy Peters is running unopposed for the one open two-year seat on the council. This excerpt of the Candidates Forum starts with opening statements, then answers to two of the three moderator questions, then closing statements. The moderator is Pat Dunbar of the League of Women Voters of Mendocino County. My name is Pat Dunbar. I'm a member of the Board of Directors of the League of Women Voters of Mendocino County. Um, we are happy to welcome eight of the, I guess there are 10 candidates now for the uh, Fort Bragg City Council. And with that, I'll get started by asking to um, begin with uh, Jason Godak, if you could begin. All right, well, thank you. And thanks to the League of Women Voters for hosting this forum and all of you for being here. I also wanna thank the other candidates for their interest in serving our town. I'm running because I love our community. I wanna help it grow and thrive. I grew up here on the coast. When I graduated from high school in 1986, a Georgia Pacific scholarship helped send me to college. Since returning to Fort Bragg five years ago, I've taught art at the middle school and I've painted murals as part of the downtown alleyway project. In the classroom, I get to learn so much about our community. My students' family members work in restaurants and hotels. They're providers in healthcare, education, and other essential services and they are skilled tradespeople. But many of our residents are struggling to find housing they can afford and jobs that support the cost of living here. We need to give our young people a reason to stay or to return to work and raise families here. Here are some of my priorities toward achieving that goal. We urgently need more affordable housing. We need to increase housing density and occupancy here in town, and we need to push the county to limit vacation rentals outside our city limits. Our community must have a voice in development that happens on the GP mill site. We've got to grow in ways that match our available water and contribute to the quality of life for our people. We need more and different career training and job opportunities in healthcare, marine, agriculture, and science, and in the trades, among others. I'll work to build partnerships between businesses, nonprofits, education, and government toward creating career training, and job opportunities for our graduates. Finally, I'll work to build positive connections between the community and the city government. As a teacher, you learn that asking good questions is far more important than saying just the right thing. Our community members are resources, not just of concerns or problems, but of ideas and solutions. Thank you. Before we go on, I'd like to um, 
point out that we have a timekeeper here. This is Carol Shoddick, and she's got these, if you could hold one of them up so everybody can see, all the candidates can see those. Good. Okay. Sorry, I should have done that first. Um, and I'll move around here to the other side now. If you could go. Next. Yes. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Michelle Roberts, and I'm running for a four-year seat on the city council. I've chosen to do this because I care deeply about this community, and I feel I would be an effective council member. My roots are very deep here, going back generations. I graduated from Fort Bragg High School. I won't tell you what year. Um, I've married and raised a family here, and um, while I've had a couple of periods away from the coast, I've always come back here. This is home to me and I plan to stay here. Um, we live in a unique and wonderful place and I feel fortunate to be part of this community. It's one of the things that's always brought me back here is the sense of community that we experience here. And I also feel like I do have the skills and experience to contribute to making our city a better place now and in the future. For the past four years, I've been a planning commissioner in the city of Fort Bragg, and I've worked on some very important projects and initiatives. We've developed a formula business ordinance, a tiny home ordinance, cannabis ordinance, reworked design guidelines, and other really important projects and public hearings. I've spent over 30 years as a leader in nonprofit organizations, both here and in other parts of California. I've dedicated myself to public service and serving the community. Um, I'm a proven leader whose style is inclusive and consensus building, but I'm also willing to make tough decisions when it's necessary. The city's facing many issues, um, but I believe I can be a productive and effective city council member and contribute to solving some of the problems we have, but also contributing to a better future. And I'm humbly asked for your vote. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Um, I'd like to move now to uh, Lindy Peters. Thank you. Again, thank you all for being here tonight. And again, thank you to the candidates here as well. Uh, I've lived in Fort Bragg for 41 years. I moved here in 1981 when I crossed the Noyo Bridge. The population sign said 7,500. You cross the population bridge today, it says pretty much 7,500. Where else in California, in such a beautiful spot, has, has the city remained pretty much the same in terms of population? Things have changed, that's for sure. I was first elected to the city council in 1992. I was elected three times, serving to 2004. During that time, I was mayor from 96 to 98. I also served on the fire board for 12 years. Then I ran again in 2014, was elected twice. I've served 20 years on the Fort Bragg City Council. No one else on this dais no other candidate has that type of experience to draw from. No one else on this dais, no other candidate has the type of institutional knowledge I have that I bring to the dais. It's not only useful, I think, to fellow council members to have this knowledge, but it's also useful to staff sometimes and to the community to try and explain what we're doing and how we got to where we are today. In 2002, the mill whistle blew for the last time. Many people in this town predicted doom and gloom. I was on that city council. We saw it as an opportunity. This mill site can double the geographic size of this community. 
It is a pristine piece of property that needs to be protected like no other resource and like no other protection has ever been in this community. And this city council has done it. We have protected this piece of property. We're going to zone it the way the community wants. We've had plenty of community input and we're going to stand up and not turn this into another one company town. And if I'm reelected, you can be assured that I will stand up to that corporation. Thank you. Um, I'd like to move now to Blanca Pena. Hello, everyone. And thank you for being here tonight. As you guys know, my name is Blanca Pena. Um, can you guys hear me now? Um, thank you everyone for being here tonight. Um, like many of you guys here tonight, I grew up in Mendocino County. I'm fortunate enough to have experienced uh, growing up in a small community that was quite safe and family oriented. After high school, I relocated to the Bay Area where I pursued a college education. I proudly obtained an undergraduate degree in sociology and criminal justice and continue on to obtain my master's degree in clinical psychology from the University of San Francisco. Through my experience in public health and infectious disease and correctional facilities in the juvenile justice system and extensive training at UCSF, I was able to get a great sense of the disadvantages that many of our communities face. This helped me become a better, well-rounded, empathetic person. I quickly fell in love with the barrier, but after years of living there, I quickly realized that my roots belonged in a quiet neighborhood that was family-oriented, which is why I chose to relocate and raise my two children in Fort Bragg. I have involved myself more and more in the community, and I, I realized the need there was to create change and bring some new ideas to continue to maintain the principles that our city has effectively created over the years, like keeping our small town charm, unique character, a strong sense of community, working together in a common goal. I feel that I'm greatly positioned to tackle some of these challenges. I can't promise to fix everything, but I can promise to face the challenges with fairness and do my best for the people of Fort Bragg. Thank you. I'd like to move now to uh, Mary Rose Kocharovsky. Thank you. Um, I appreciate all of you coming out tonight. The reason I'm running for city council is I want to be on the winning team. This is the best city council I think that we've ever had uh, in a long time. Some of my background uh, includes working with Fort Bragg Main Street in the 1990s. If you remember that, we were uh, initiating the Fort Bragg Main Street program and the facade program. I also worked with the Mendocino Living Communities Conferences with the um, city, uh, county on educating the residents of the county and preparing them for general plan uh, changes on the county level. Um, I worked with a team on putting together uh, um, Legis uh, legislation advocacy to EPA to keep the 10-mile watershed, 150-mile watershed on the EPA uh, threatened waters list. So that's some of my team-based um, contributions to this community. And, uh, you know, we're living in a rapid, rapidly changing world, and I'm concerned that the post-recession economy is reshaping the way we live and that some of us are not really uh, – 
looking at that situation. But I believe the city council with its blue economy studies are looking forward and helping us understand what is at stake here. We need to decide our future. And that's why I am running to help this community decide its future because if communities that don't choose their future and wait for something, the next best thing to happen are not gonna be part of the competitive model out here. We have a lot to offer, offer um, tourists and people moving here. How much time I have left? Um, 15 seconds. So I hope you look at my votersedge.com statements because I have a lot of my background on there for you to look at. I took some time to write that out for you. So I hope you consider my background and my passion and I hope you will vote for me. Thank you. Um, I'd like to read this now from um, uh, the candidate who was not able to be here tonight, Marsha Raffinen. She sent this in and asked if I could, or someone from the league could please read it in. So here goes. My name is Marsha Raffinen. I'm a registered member of the Sherwood Valley Band of Pomo Indians. I'm sorry I will not be able to attend the candidate's forum in person due to conflicting schedules. I will be with my tribe and family for our annual hunter and gathering to provide traditional food for our families for the upcoming year. I was appointed to the city council almost two years ago. These past two years, I have really taken into account our community members' wants, needs, and concerns. I look forward to continuing to do so if I'm fortunate enough to earn your vote and trust. Okay. Uh, now I'll move on to uh, Scott. Please, Scott Tobold. Good evening. Yes, I'm Scott Tobold, and uh, I flew in late last night. I'm jet lagged. There was a, I won't call it a family emergency, but my mother-in-law is 84 years old and she's seriously ill. And so I was out of the country and I, what you're going to get tonight is me thinking on my feet because I did not have time to prepare for this, but I wanted to show up for sure. And, uh, you know, when I was working for the county, um, there was a fella and I asked him, you know, I don't think I asked him who he was voting for, but I was asking him how he, you know, educated himself on voting. And he said, the, the League of Women Voters. He said, that's where I, if I'm not sure, I go with their choice, you know. So I was really impressed by that and always have been. Um, you know, I grew up in Fort Bragg. Um, both my grandparents, maternal and paternal, had businesses on Main Street in Fort Bragg in the 60s. My dad was a prominent architect um, who worked on a lot of projects, a lot of big buildings in the area. And he used to come to a lot of city council meetings and come home and voice his frustrations. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of the planning stuff and a lot of the stuff that the city council does. Um, but most of all, you know, I love Fort Bragg. I just, I've lived I've gone away for short periods of time and I always come back. Um, 
as soon as I can, it seems like it, um, because I love it here and I want to help. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll move on now to uh, Tess Albin-Smith. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, I'm Tess Albin-Smith, and I'm the only incumbent actually running for re-election, but as a write-in for four years. I'm retired from state government after 32 years, uh, most of which was with CAL FIRE. I was one of the first two female foresters hired by the state. I am a registered professional forester to this day, and I worked previously for the University of California at Davis, the California Department of Fish and Game, and the State Water Resources Control Board. In my professional career, I trained and worked in the areas of forestry, agriculture, stream restoration, sewage treatment and water reclamation, environmental law, firefighting and law enforcement. And over the years, I gained many useful skills in construction, supervision, accounting, budgeting, grant writing, public speaking, writing publications, computer programming, fish sampling, archeology, span employee mediation and event planning. I chartered and still sit on many nonprofits, uh, and I've brought thousands of people to area for soccer tournaments. I volunteer hundreds of hours for the symphony and for Optimus. I'm a classical musician and currently treasurer of an international organization. My passion is working for children, with children, and so I'm um, a substitute teacher and a school bus driver. I teach music and creative problem solving for kids. I'm a retired athlete, once playing seven days a week, softball and soccer, while umpiring and coaching at all levels from young to old, beginning to new. So I bring a lot of diversity and experience to the table, which makes being on city council a good fit. My goal in city council is to make decisions that not only maintain the good qualities and values we already have, but also to look for ways to improve our quality of life, more affordable housing, more recreation and healthy living, and more good paying jobs with benefits. I will always support parks, arts, drama, sports, library opportunities, support creative ideas for affordable housing and dorms for the college. I will lobby for better training and expanded college programs for nursing, teaching, marine research, entrepreneurships, winemaking, aquaculture, artisan skills, and light industry jobs so that our children have a future. Thank you. <laughs> and now we'll go to uh, Richmore, please. Hi, I'm Rich Moore, and I'm running for city council. I'm looking for your vote. I have uh, spent most of my life in the Bay Area, only moving here three years ago. But I love this town. I always have. And uh, I think I'll be a good fit on the city council board working with the perspective of council people to set this town on the map. I've had a history in the Bay Area of driving concrete mixer truck. I spent 30 years with PG&E as a ground floor facility guy doing everything. That's it. Thank you very much, and thanks to all of the candidates. You are listening to excerpts of the Fort Bragg City Council Candidates Forum, hosted by the League of Women Voters on October 14th. The moderator is Pat Dunbar. In the next section of the forum, candidates answered three questions from the moderator. The first question was about Fort Bragg's water supply and the ongoing drought. 
We'll start with the second question about housing in the city. How would you address the lack of available housing? Please be specific. And I'll start with Rich, please. At the end of South Street are a whole bunch of small houses. And to my knowledge, they have not been inhabited yet. Beyond that, I don't have any ideas, but I'm willing to collaborate with the rest of the city council on this. Thank you. Um, Tess, would you go next? Well, let's begin with the fact that there is available housing, but not for first-time buyers or even medium-income uh, families. What I think you mean is lack of affordable housing. And this is a national crisis that was already well underway long before the pandemic. And California that is a big problem because it's three times the median average for national to buy a house here. People cannot afford to live here and the lack of builders and building supplies, exorbitant down payments, unreasonable mortgage qualifications, outrageous problem prices make it unlikely that anyone but the house rich can afford to buy a home in Fort Bragg. What does this do to our city when we have to spend all of our earnings on huge rents and mortgages? having to work two or three low-paying tourism jobs and have no one to watch the kids or have time to pay, uh, spend with the family. It destroys families. It ruins businesses who have less customers and can't find workers. Crime increases when people have no money, a decent place to live, and kids don't have proper supervision. Homelessness is on the rise. So what do we do? I sit on a city council that has formed a community land trust. The mission in general is to empower borrower, borrowers, <laughs> subsidize, and underwrite mortgages and down payments, increase the supply of homes, and provide more multiple dwelling units, and fix up old buildings. If you fix up an old building, you might take a substandard housing and make it livable. Our current city is united with the goal to create an infrastructure where jobs are plentiful, create a city that is not just about tourism, but facilitating light industry, which will have good paying jobs with benefits, and providing housing for the nurses, teachers, law enforcement, and other medium income workforce. We are bringing in high-speed internet and the college has agreed to provide dorms with expanded programs and degrees. Affordable housing is the key to our healthy community and uh, reducing intergenerational poverty and uh, economic stability. Thank you. Jason, would you go next please? All right, thank you. Um, I'm glad that Tess mentioned the land trust because that seems like a, an excellent tool for getting grant money uh, and for partnering also with employers. The housing action team did a really useful study of employers and employees uh, early this year, and it showed that our employers really recognize that this is a critical concern for acquiring and uh, for holding on to employees. And so the land trust would give us that opportunity to partner with employers to subsidize worker housing projects that are earmarked for their workers. And that kind of model is, is functional in other counties, uh, including Sonoma. So the land trust can also be a receptacle for donations and for under market sales. That's a, it's an excellent tool. It has a lot of upside in terms of occupancy. Uh, we really do need to push the county supervisors to implement an ordinance that stops uh, short-term vacation rentals here 
uh, outside of our city limits because we're losing housing to Airbnbs and VRB VRBOs. This is a coastal issue. It's a re regional issue. It has a huge impact on us here. Of the maybe 500 vacation rentals, 90% of those are here on the coast. And that figure is going up 25% a year. So we've got to get them to pay attention to us uh, for bringing that kind of an ordinance to limit vacation rentals. Uh, in terms of building density, one of the things that occurs to me is that we have a lot of uh, households in our city, uh, over a thousand, that are occupied by one person. And so we really want to encourage, and many of them are seniors, we want to encourage them and assist them in adding junior access, accessory dwelling units to their houses, uh, because that'll add housing to our stock, and it will also provide an income stream for people who are on a fixed income. So we need to, the city's doing a lot of good things to add to density, um, but that would be another angle that we could take to try to really solve two problems at once. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle. Thank you. Um, as we all know, the housing crisis affects not only low-income renters seeking low-cost or subsidized housing, it's impacting our ability to attract and retain professionals in our community. And while the city's role is somewhat limited in addressing the larger housing issue, um, it can play a larger role. Um, the tiny home ordinance that was adopted is a good step in the right direction, but it's just one small step and more needed. For example, I think we need to look at better utilization of existing housing stock or buildings with a potential conversion of underutilized commercial buildings. This could be, for example, converting a B&B &B into permanent housing. Um, or for example, if a new hospital gets built, the current building could be converted into housing, whether that's some sort of assisted living or other supportive housing. We need a variety of types of housing to meet our needs here. Those are just examples, but those could be done quickly um, with little permitting if we revise our codes. You know, recently the Planning Commission has heard two, two um to use permits and public hearings to convert commercial buildings back to residential when those buildings were originally built as single family homes. I don't think it should be, it shouldn't require the time and effort to go through a public hearing and a use permit to convert something back to a home. So along those lines, I think we need to look at the red tape, the fees and the processes that slow permitting and building down and refine and revise those rules, uh, if you will. We need to consider other things like maybe reducing parcel size so that lots could be split into smaller units and um, the idea of annexation to property that's adjacent to the city, especially like on our east side is something that might be considered. There's some large parcels that could actually be divided and um, supply a lot of housing opportunity there. So rethinking our codes, re okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Scott, would you go next please? Sure. Yeah, you, I know that the last couple of um, projects, building projects that went in, you know, anybody from the state can apply and, and get in equally, you know, and uh, it's low income. So I don't see how that helps us at all. Um, and I remember, you know, when my dad was um, doing a lot of building they were investors they would get a group of investors together and you know build 
of course, these were motels and that sort of thing. But the same thing could be done. You know, in the Philippines, my my wife had bought a few little pieces of property and and I went to look at them and I was kind of confused. And she said, well, what we do is we put money down and then as we the people are paying, the developers develop the subdivision, you know, and that got me thinking, you know, about um, private investors getting together and, um, of course, some of the old commercial buildings too, bringing them back to residential, you know, thinking outside the box uh, here, you know. Um, but yeah, I think um, private investors would like a trust, this kind of thing. Unless, you know, there's grant money out there that um, isn't going to be open to anybody in the state, you know. Um, that's about all I can say on that. Okay. One. Thank you. Thank you. Blanca, would you go next, please? Thank you. Um, as we know, like many other cities, Fort Bragg is not the only one facing housing challenges. Um, and looking at the bigger picture, I think I would like to help find policy reform at a larger scale. I also would like to continue to review opportunities um, for the land trust and other housing partnerships here in Fort Bragg. I think it is essential um, to continue to explore the community land trust in order to like Tess and Jason said, keep our working force here. Um, also using the resources that we all already have, like the ADUs, um, I'm not sure if um, we are reaching out to our community and um, educating some of the people that have the ability to create these units for extra housing. Um, I think it's also important to be diligent in the in preventative measures and to help avoid homelessness and talking about affordability and so forth. Um, I believe that using our resources that we have now to bring uh, more grants would be important as well. Thank you. Lindy? Well, in the city of Fort Bragg, the median income is very low and the cost of a new home is extremely high. And I think affordable housing, unfortunately, has become an oxymoron here. Um, well, let's take a look at what we've done. In 2019, the city council uh, did update uh, the housing element of our general plan. In that, we ambitiously, our five-year goal was to add two more, uh, 200 more units of housing to the city of Fort Bragg. Uh, since that time, we, with the Danko project, uh, that's the one that was mentioned here uh, near South Street, uh, we've added at least uh, more than 80 units there. We've also added units at uh, Cypress Street and that project there as well. Uh, we certainly need more. We need to work with companies like Danco uh, that can provide the development funds and also grant funding that's available for affordable housing. We need to identify property, which we've done in that uh, housing element. Uh, one piece of property I think we're all familiar with is Glass Beach. Uh, as you go out Glass Beach Drive, uh, Glass Beach project was supposed to go all the way out pretty close to where the trestle starts. Uh, there's property there that housing can exist. But keep in mind, we've got Noyle River, we've got Pudding Creek, we've got a forest, and we've got the ocean. We're almost like an island. Where's the housing going to go? Right behind us here. 
on the mill site. That's where it's going to go. The land trust, it's been mentioned. It's great. It's a 5013C. Uh, it should help us identify, purchase, and secure workforce housing. Um, I just think that we workforce housing is something we need to develop here, and this council is is astutely aware of it, and we're doing everything we can within the limited funding that we have and, and land that's available to us uh, to provide that housing, but we're aware of it, and believe me, uh, we've done some work on this, and we'll continue to work on it. It's a problem, and we're working on it. I guess that's the best way of putting it. Thank you. Thank you. Mary Rose. As Lindy mentioned, we have the Fort Bragg land use element policies, but they also support a concentrated development pattern by encouraging infill development on vacant and underutilized sites throughout the city. We have a lot of vacant lots in this city, and we know that ADUs have been built, but not enough to chip away at our housing crisis. Uh, last month, Governor Newsom signed dozens of bills to further accelerate housing, including bills that allow for more housing to be built in commercial corridors, zoned for retail and office buildings. And, be, and I think we also need to take advantage of the homeowner occupied rehabilitation program by the state. This may help bring uh, upgrades in housing that is not available and bring it uh, back into the market. And quickly, I wanna uh, offer uh, that the city of Fort Bragg can utilize fiscal mechanisms to raise money for housing projects. Measure O was in East Palo Alto. That was in 2016. That closely patterned Measure B in Berkeley, uh, Measure uh, UI in Berkeley, that basically uh, put a um, residential rental business license tax on properties of um, people who own more than uh, five uh, units of housing. And this is in alignment with uh, California where it's allowed to have leases of tangible property uh, can be subject to a use tax. So I think there's a lot of fiscal mechanisms that we could use. And you know um, these two ordinances in Berkeley and East, East Palo Alto are wonderful models that we could use. We could put it to the voters, explain how this would help our city put money into a fund that would help bring some of this housing in, uh, to us. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And I will uh, now read uh, the response we got from Marsha. I fully support our new and upcoming land trust, creating housing opportunities for our local workforce and their families. I would love to see more collaboration and outreach with our local tribe, the Sherwood Valley Band of Pomo Indians, businesses and local building contracts, contractors. I feel working together, we can accomplish more. So now I, we will move on to question three. And each candidate will have one minute to answer uh, this question because it's uh, pretty, the question is pretty direct. What is your position on the competing lawsuits involving the former GP mill site? And have you taken campaign contributions from Sierra Railroad or any of its affiliates or principals? And I'll start with Jason. All right, thank you. 
I'll start by saying that I support the city's assertion that Mendocino Railway should be subject to the same regulatory oversight as any other developer. Regardless of the legal outcomes, our community needs to have a voice in development that happens on the GP Mill site. I met with Robert Pinoli and Chris Hart, and I was open with them about concerns I and many other residents have related to their use or threat to use eminent domain. I think it's possible to accept their good intentions while still objecting to how they acquire property and how they strategize development. I have not taken any contributions from the railroad or any of its affiliates or principals. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Michelle. Thank you. Um, actually, only the current council members have been privy to legal advice regarding the status of the lawsuits. I haven't been briefed, nor should I be. Um, but as a potential future future council member, do not want to speculate on legal matters that may be, come before me at a future time. But what I can say is I feel very strongly that whomever owns and develops the former mill site must be held accountable to current state and local zoning and building codes and follow the proper process. I will say that I also think it's imperative to have full cleanup of toxins that remain in the ponds. And since the Coastal Commission has joined in the litigation on this issue, I'm hopeful that they may take a, a more of a lead role, perhaps reducing the burden to the city as th this matter works its way through the court. I've not taken any contributions from anyone from the railroad or anyone affiliated with it. Thank you. Lindy. I've run for city council six times. I've never received a dime from anybody involving the Skunk Train, the Skunk Railroad, Western Railroad, Robert Pinoli, or any of the above mentioned. Um, the lawsuit is pretty simple to talk about in terms of what it boils down to. Our stance as a city is that the skunk train is an excursion train. And as an excursion train, they are uh, subject to the same regulations in terms of development permits, in terms of environmental regulations as anybody else. If they're a railroad, they claim that they're exempt from those regulations and that and they can use eminent domain to take property. So there's where we are. We have prevailed each and every time. So far, the court has agreed that you are, in fact, an excursion train, not a federally regulated railroad. And there's where we stand. They've tried to remove the judge at one time or his decision anyway. Uh, it's been appealed and we've won every step of the way. Thank you. Tess? I think everybody here knows I sit on a city council that is 100% in agreement about our lawsuit against Mendocino Railway. The operators of our current uh, tourist attraction, the skunk train that's been here for so long. No, I would not take any financial help from the skunk train or its affiliates, even if offered. Uh, and uh, regarding the conflicting uh, uh, lawsuits, uh, I think you're referring to the federal lawsuit. Uh, they didn't like what the PUC said, so they decided to grasp at straws and now they're countersuing the city. The skunk train cannot claim your backyard or rail lines or 300 acres of the mill site. They don't have the power of eminent domain. That's for public benefit. That's for like building a highway or something like that. They might have them, you know, that goes through public process. It's a private for-profit organization. So to my friends who say, why don't we just get along? Please don't be gullible and believe everything you read in the paper. They're playing an infantile game of, I'm taking my ball home if you don't like what we're doing. Thank you. 
Um, Mary Rose. Let's remember history. And I'm gonna quote a very well-known Supreme Court Justice, Roger Taney, 1837. While rights of private property are sacredly guarded, we must not forget that the community also has rights and it's up to local government to protect those rights. I, I had worked for the skunk train in the past as an account technician and as a ticket agent. And the former GP site to me is not a monopoly game. Um, uh, this is not just the Fort Bragg gem, it's a regional asset. Um, we, we deserve to decide the future of the mill site, not private investors. Thank you. And did you mention about donations or I contributions? Have not, I have been offered by email, and I could show it to anybody who wants to see it. Robert Pinoli had offered to support me as a city council candidate, and I did not respond. Thank you. I have not taken any money. Um, Rich, would you go next, please? No, I didn't take any money. But I believe in the skunk train. I believe it's an asset to the town. Everybody I brought up here loves the little ride on the train. But I think uh, this gentleman here said the right thing. You can just duplicate what he said. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I will... Um read Marsha's contribution. Um, she says, as a current council member, I do not feel comfortable discussing current litigation. In general, it is not appropriate to comment without full council approval. I have not taken any contributions from any anyone associated with the Sierra Railroad. Uh, Blanca, would you go next, please? Um, when it comes to the lawsuit, I align myself um, with the city of Fort Bragg. I believe in transparency and believe that any project that takes place in our city should have oversight through the city. Um, I believe that we, through that, we can keep our small town charm, or unique character and strong sense of community. And I have not taken any money from Sierra Railroads or any of their affiliates. Thank you. And Scott. Yeah, well, um, I didn't take any money. Uh, but, you know, I, I did meet with uh, Bob and Chris, and uh, I heard their side of the story. And I have not heard Fort Bragg's side of the story because everything's closed session. And, you know, it's kind of, um, I mean, I understand that. And I'm not an attorney, um, so even if I knew what was happening behind closed doors, I may not understand it all. But I don't think that Bob and Chris are, um, you know, I, I guess I just have a more positive opinion than I'm hearing from the rest of the people up here. Um, not to mention, I have a lot of fond memories of the skunk train and, and the depot over here. I remember when a lot of my personal friends were investing in the skunk train. I like the skunk train. Thank you. And contributions? 
No. No. Okay. Thank you. I started with Yeah, that. you started with that. Good. This is an excerpt of the Fort Bragg City Council Candidates Forum hosted by the League of Women Voters on October 14th in Fort Bragg. Following moderator questions, the candidates were given a number of topics from the audience and asked to briefly address one or more of them. These included improving business climate, vision for the mill site, public works, homelessness, and police relations with the Latino community. Then, candidates gave their closing statements. Because we are coming to the final round of closing statements. And um, as I mentioned before, everyone will get two minutes for a closing statement. Um, and I'll start with Rich. Rich Moore, running for city council. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Mary Rose. Mary Rose? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was just trying to collect my thoughts. In two minutes, there's a lot to say. I just want to say that one of the most important things I am challenging the community is not what I can do for the city council. What can I do with you? It takes a community to work on these problems, to show up at city council meetings, to attend ad hoc meetings, I've talked to businesses, I've talked to homeless people, I've worked at, the, I'm a medical screener at the hospital, I've seen people from so many walks of life. I want to challenge the community to, um, you know, this is not a popularity contest. Who could really, who could really step up and help this council? And I am willing to work with anybody who has an idea, and, and I really would be an honor to work with this council to help move forward the incredible things that are happening. The staff has worked so hard. We've been through COVID. We've been through supply chain challenges. So um, I think with my background of 25 plus years of public policy experience, nonprofit and advocacy experience, I have a good, and, and also as a journalist, where I've, I've sat on so many meetings, so many meetings, it's, uh, and also as, as a citizen, sat in, in these rooms or on Zoom, watching and participating as a uh, active citizen. So I think I bring a lot of experience, a lot of passion, and a willingness to work because I've talked to some of these guys to test Jessica. I met with both police chiefs. I always uh, meeting with the um, city manager. So I know how to navigate this space, but you know, let's all work together. And if you vote for me, um, I will have an open door. Thank you. Um, Jason. All right, well, thanks again for hosting this forum. My students and my own local family connect me to the community and they fuel my commitment to its future. As a new council member, I'll aim to build on strengths the city already has going for it. We're doing some savvy proactive things related to water and I'll support plans that are in the works. We need to increase storage. We need to do more to capture runoff and reclaim wastewater. And we need to explore energy efficient desalination. There've been good policy changes to promote housing density we need to do more to encourage occupancy and to build new affordable housing. 
The city's made some compassionate and practical moves related to homelessness. We need to continue to address different kinds of homelessness with a range of strategies. Council has prioritized fiscal responsibility by adopting a balanced budget and setting aside emergency reserves. We need to continue to look into the future to avoid budgetary crises. We have a robust working harbor with great potential for growth. We have a local community college and we have a population that is entrepreneurial, creative and skilled. We need to use partnerships between education, businesses, nonprofits and government to create local career training and job opportunities that diversify our economy. As a council member, I will seek out the experience and expertise in our community. Being a teacher has shown me that an open door policy is nowhere near sufficient. I'll look to our community, local and regional for input and solutions. That means taking an active role in initiating conversations. It's what I've been doing during the campaign and it's how I'll work if I'm elected. That approach is labor intensive and it isn't always comfortable. It requires some empathy and humility but I think it's necessary. I'll invest in true collaboration and mutual respect between the community and the city government. Thank you. Thank you. Scott, would you go next, please? Yes, thank you very much for having this this evening. Um, you know, I I always tell people I'm I'm a Fort Bragg person. I'm from Fort Bragg because, you know, growing up here, it was an, a more isolated community. We didn't get cable television. We were the last ones in California probably to get it. And it, the cell phone towers, I mean, all the technology seems to come here later. And we've uh, had this culture here because we are isolated. And uh, it's not quite as extreme as it was when I was younger, but it still happens when this uh, fiber optic line went down, you know? You couldn't call 911 or anything. I mean, crime any. When, <laughs> when do you need community uh, any more than that? Huh? And anyway, I definitely um, am a part of this community. I love Fort Bragg and uh, I'd like to serve on the city council. And I still got another minute to fill up. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't have any more to say than that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Blanca, would you go next, please? In closing, um, I'd just like to say that I come with pure intentions to help create a better community for myself, my family, and the people of Fort Bragg. I am an honest, determined, hardworking, and loyal human. And I stand for transparency and believe that my leadership skills will be effective in helping create change. I'll be honored to have your vote. And again, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Uh, Lindy? Keep in mind that there are four seats on this council open in this election. And there's a distinct possibility that we could have four new faces. And I'm happy to meet some of them here and listen to some of them here tonight. I'm the only candidate of all the candidates that's been endorsed by the Service Employees Industrial Union. I've also been endorsed by the Mendocino County Central Democratic Committee. And when I was mayor, uh, I did something a little different. I had a Monday morning meeting with the mayor. Every Monday morning, I made myself available to the citizens of Fort Bragg for an hour. I'm the only mayor that's ever done it. 
And I, you know, was really happy that I had that opportunity to meet with folks because a lot of homeless people showed up, uh, a lot of uh, Hispanic people showed up. And I actually, at the time, had to bring someone from upstairs to come down and speak Spanish. That's not a problem anymore. We have a lot of bilingual people there. But anyway, experience counts. And if the last three years have taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected. Together, we've weathered a serious drought, survived the economic downturn of COVID-19, and skillfully navigated the public safety power shutoff events that threaten our public safety. And I'd say the city did a better job than the federal agencies did, state agencies, and county agencies. In fact, we had more information than PG&E when it came to those PSPS events, you might recall. Our community spirit is strong. We've proven that we can pull together through adversity, but there is more to be done. We need more housing projects for working families. We need better drought resilience through increased water storage and desalinization, more focus on city street repairs and continued protection of our local resources, including and especially the former mill site. It takes strong leadership to instill community confidence. That confidence is here. Let's bring that leadership back as well. Please reelect me, Lindy Peters, to the Fort Bragg City Council. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Michelle, would you go next? Thank you. Well, I've outlined my positions. I've given you a brief discussion and description of who I am and what my qualifications are. So I just want to close by saying that it would really be an honor to represent the people of Fort Bragg as a city council member. And I truly would be a representative of the people. Um, we should have a say in what happens in our city and in its governance. I encourage public participation and public input into the decisions that the city makes, and I would give great weight um, in matters that come before me. We're lucky to have a wealth of knowledge and experience right here on the coast among our diverse citizenry, and I would welcome their input. I've been and am dedicated to serving all of our community. I'm open-minded and honest and have a wealth of experience that could serve me well in carrying out the duties of the of the city council. I thank the League of Women Voters for this opportunity to be here tonight. I thank everyone for participating and for listening, those of you at home as well. Um, thank you for your consideration of support of my candidacy for city council. Thank you, and Tess. This has been amazing tonight. I, I've gotten a lot of ideas from my fellow candidates. But I want to tell you, fellow candidates, that um, what I found out about being on city council this last term is that it gives you some uh, access to some very important and interesting committees and boards. Like for me, uh, MTA, Council of Governments, Finance and Taxation, Broadband, Public Works, League of Cities, many leadership groups and others. And just by being here, you get to do that. Um, and I can do this because I have the time, the energy, the interest, and the experience. Um, and I can do a lot of work for Fort Bragg. So what did I accomplish in my last four years? 8,000 hours. I'm not going to list everything, but I'll tell you the highlights. Uh, I helped get the city fiber optic high-speed internet on ground. It's, on its, it's ordered. I worked on MTA, getting electric buses. I worked on financing the PERS debt payoff. I worked on getting childcare for city employees. I was on a committee for the Blue Economy Symposium and Learning Festival, hopefully annual. I helped design a downtown walking map. I chaired an ad hoc committee to address voting options for Fort Bragg. I helped secure loans for several businesses. Uh, I helped make climate action policies for the county. And I advocated for the city to buy the mill site in my very first month on the job when I worked on zoning. 
I've started a lot of projects. I'd love to continue. Um, being a writing candidate may seem like a, a handicap, but I now see it as an opportunity to do something fun. You can write in my name, Tess Alvin Smith, and I will win. Uh, and you won't see my name on the ballot or anything about me, but you can write in my name and it's under the four year. And also I have a website, www.votefortest.com. I'm doing a lot more than I ever would, but it's a challenge. Okay. And I think that covers everybody. I didn't miss anyone, I hope. Um, can we have a round of applause for the candidates? I'd like to thank you all for um, being cordial and uh, uh, collaborative and pleasant to uh, listen to. And thank you very much for um, observing our time limits as well. And thanks again. Everyone have a nice evening. This has been an excerpt of the Fort Bragg City Council Candidates Forum, hosted by the League of Women Voters in Fort Bragg on October 14th. To view the entire forum, you can go to the videos section of the Facebook page for the City of Fort Bragg, California. We'll also post a link to the video, as well as audio of the entire forum, at the 2022 Midterm Elections page at kzyx.org. Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. I'm Alicia Bales. Thank you for listening and for voting. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.